Hi, I'm Bobby, and I'm your friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Welcome to your weekly meeting of Pop Culture Fanatics Anonymous. This week, we're going to be having a very casual conversation about all things Emmys, Ted Lasso, and a little bit about prestige TV. So this past Sunday was the Emmys, or as I like to call it, TV Christmas. It was, it's a big night for people who love TV like me. Um, it's the, the, the Super Bowl of TV, like I said, TV Christmas. Um, it's a big moment uh, if you really love television. And uh, this, this, past, this past ceremony was no exception. Um, but uh, before we get into what I loved about the ceremony, we have to address the, the elephant in the room. And uh, that is Emmy's So White, hashtag Emmy So White. And that was the hashtag uh, that immediately followed um, or was probably circulating around uh, the ceremony. The fact that every major category was kind of dominated by uh, by white people. I can't say that I'm necessarily shocked uh, and I'm definitely not at all surprised. Uh, I think uh, Hollywood does this thing and they love doing this thing where they kind of point the finger at other uh, industries for uh, not really practicing diversity um, and they will kind of applaud themselves for uh, talking about diverse stories and you know like diverse stories got nominated but they did not win and anyone who works in, in Hollywood knows that um, these these structures these ceremonies that we have um, ultimately help uh, newer shows uh, to get made and like shows like the ones that that win uh to get made and if not a ton of shows led by people of color uh written directed uh show run by people of color if they're not being awarded beyond a nomination uh then obviously there is a uh, a large likelihood that shows like that uh will kind of you know continue to have a difficult time getting greenlit and it's it's disheartening, honestly. Um, I think there's so many good, there were so many good nominations this year across a ton of different categories. And it's, it's just a shame that Hollywood still thinks that shows of merit only look one way. And they can have a diversity of the story kind of being told, but not really those who tell them. Um, it still very much looks the same and or it is the same story that's, um, being awarded every single year um I know I think it was Yvette Nicole Brown she tweeted I think it was her uh she tweeted about you know like SNL really you know they have 40 years worth of of accolades and we celebrate the show it's like a pillar of pop Americana uh but this really was a year where a black lady sketch show should have really shined um it's a very great show and I think SNL um, for what it's worth has it's been awarded like it's it's gotten its award so for it to kind of dominate variety sketch series every single year when there are plenty of very great variety sketch shows like I said a black lady sketch show being one of them um, it's it kind of gives you pause a little bit about like okay so are we just kind of resting on our on our laurels here or are we only depending on you know what it, what is it you know um that and I think also the uh, drama category with the crown taking the crown uh, as it has done for the past it feels like uh, 10 centuries 
And if this, again, I want to preface the fact that I know that The Crown is an amazing show. Um, and I am not really faulting it specifically, but I think it is a show that definitely has gotten its fair share of accolades. And I think there are plenty of really great dramas this year. Um, one that I think a lot of people really, really enjoyed, and I think it's kind of interesting that it got canceled, was Lovecraft Country. Um, and I, I saw a tweet, another tweet saying that this is now the second year where a actor was honored um, posthumously and they lost out to a white a white a black male actor was honored posthumously and they lost out to uh, a white white Brit Uh, so I think it was last year it was Chadwick Boseman and then this year it was Michael K. Williams for Lovecraft Country so when you start to look at all those different things that are kind of that always bubble up after the ceremony when kind of people debrief about the the ceremony and what they didn't like about it and um kind of put their heads together in realizing this pattern uh you begin to see like okay you can't say that it's not an awareness of of these issues because there is there's a massive awareness that these are that these shows tend to always look the same and tend to always award the same types of people um and while most would love for it to be a show built on merit uh, that just simply isn't how the the structure of, of the industry is built on. And I would hope that in my lifetime, we'll see uh, when the Oscars and the Emmys and, you know, any other major award show is not really built too heavily on, on politicking and um, allows for merit to shine through. And um, whoever genuinely believing that whoever tells the best story, um, you know, is awarded with the the accolade of an Emmy or an Oscar and allowing uh, your mind to kind of go outside of what you think or who you think will be the one to tell the best story. Um, So I just wanted to kind of elaborate on that, ruminate on that for a little bit, because we can't necessarily ignore um, that that was a very prominent through line throughout the entire ceremony. Um, I don't think there was, I think this was a year where there was the most uh, nominations by a person of color uh, but no person of color was awarded uh, for an acting category, which I think is incredibly interesting uh, and not in a fun way. One thing that I, I did love every year, I am a, a, an avid uh, watcher of uh, of the comedy category because comedy is the, the types of television that I, I tend to frequent. And every year I am sitting with bated breath over who is going to win. I always can kind of predict it. I'm not saying that I'm the Raven Baxter of the comedy category for the Emmys, but I will take that. Uh, so last year it was Shit's Creek. And if you follow me on Twitter, um, at Hi, I'm Bobby, uh, you know that I lost my mind last year when Shit's Creek, uh, when the shit sweep happened. And this year was no exception uh, with Ted Lasso. Um Again, Ted Lasso is one of the best shows that I've, I've seen in a very, very long time. And I think it's become a very fast favorite of mine. And the fact that it like it was it was mostly there with the sweep, um, even though Hacks uh, kind of came in and, and swept up to the awards, which I haven't seen Hacks, but I've heard uh, a lot of great things about it. But I was hoping that that Ted would be able to kind of cinch cinch of the whole category like Shit's Creek did last year but I I have to say that I'm incredibly happy with the awards that they did get um they secured best supporting actress in a comedy with Hannah Waddingham uh who plays Rebecca 
and they got a best supporting actor with Brett Goldstein who plays Roy and uh, it might be outstanding I can't remember what adjective they use Um, I think it's outstanding lead actor in a comedy uh, with Jason Sudeikis as the titular character Ted Lasso and then they got the ever prestigious outstanding comedy series Um, all worth it all incredibly deserved Um, if you have not seen Ted Lasso Uh, I'm going to spend the next couple of minutes convincing you why I think you should watch it. So Ted Lasso is a show that is on Apple TV, and I think it's kind of been this, uh, at least until before the Emmys, it was kind of the sleeper hit. Um, In a similar way of uh, like how Schitt's Creek did, it was like a show that Some people had kind of been buzzing about here and there, but the vast majority of people hadn't really heard of it. And then when they swept the Emmys, um, everyone was like, oh my gosh, what is this show? And then it kind of just like blew off into the stratosphere of being this like one of the uh, best sitcoms in recent history. Again, well-deserved. And Ted Lasso is definitely getting that treatment as well. Um, So the show is, I made a TikTok about it a couple of days ago. And it really, I had to really confront what it is that I love about the show. And I think in the era of prestige TV, something that I'll get into a little bit later, um, I was confronted with the fact that for, in the era of prestige TV, I think a lot of people will say like, oh, I like the show because it, you know, it's something that I've never seen before and it subverted all my expectations and it had a bunch of swerves and all these different things and blah, 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 blah. And it, I think a lot of prestige TV, which I, like I said, I'll get into a little bit later, it tries to pack a lot of different things into one show. And with Ted Lasso, I realized that what I love about it is its simplicity. And I think in the era of of television that is super smart and super aware, to hear the word simple is immediately uh, kind of associated with with bad. Um, And I don't think that Ted Lasso adheres to that in the least. Premise of the story is very simple. It's a plucky American uh, coach who comes and coaches this like kind of failing football club the Brits are kind of put off by his incessant positivity, I think at sometimes rightfully so. Um, but eventually that same positivity is what wins them over um, and really uh, allows them to love Ted Lasso, uh, the character. I think it's a premise that we've seen before. It's it's your kind of fish out of water tale, this person coming in who is like completely opposite of the, the world uh, that they've been placed into and they either are going to assimilate to the culture of that world that they've been placed into or they're going to change it completely and that's what Ted Lasso does um, with his infectious uh, optimism. So that's a tale that we've we've heard before but what I love about the show is that because it, it has a story that we're kind of familiar with um, in structure and characters that we can kind of immediately identify with and relate to it allows you to really feel the emotions like it, it really that element of the show turns the emotions up to a 10 um and you are kind of accosted by these really powerful emotional moments um that you weren't really anticipating that you were going to feel with a show like Ted Lasso um I think with with shows that are um kind of rooted in a lot of positivity and good and they're not so doom and gloom and kind of waiting for the ball to drop um 
you can kind of count them off as like, oh, well, I already know what's going to happen in that show. And I'm not like because happiness is kind of like what we feel is a default emotion um, and that you can't feel like that you can build off of happiness or optimism or positivity. Um, I think a lot of people might have might cast it out as a show of like, oh, it's not really that complex and it's not really that, that deep. And it's not until you're in the trenches of the show that you realize, wow, this is kind of a really even though I said it was simple, it is complex in a lot of ways. And I think it's complex in its emotion and um, certain moments that you're really like, oh, wow. OK, they're touching on something that is incredibly difficult to uh, synthesize and uh, kind of wrap your head around. But they're really attacking it in a way that is poignant, I think. Um, that and the show is not, you know, just gumdrops and, and rainbows and lollipops the whole time. There are definitely plenty of beats in the show. Um, that kind of touch on on conflict. Um, I don't think this is really a spoiler, but spoilers anyways. Uh, we find out that, I think in the first couple of episodes, we find out that, that Ted is going through a divorce. Um, and that is the whole reason why he took a job in England, um, was to give his wife space. And there is an episode that built on uh, that dynamic that he has with his wife. And you think a guy like Ted Lasso, who was so positive and, you know, so just happy-go-lucky. He would have kind of this happy-go-lucky relationship. And I think it gives a very human look at, um, like, his wife didn't necessarily need that. Like, his his wife didn't necessarily, you know, at the time at least, by the time their relationship ended, she didn't, that incessant positivity uh, that he has wasn't what she needed. Um, and I think that's a, it's a very honest look at something like that. Um, and also there, there comes a point where Ted is kind of overcome with emotion too. And he ends up having a panic attack. And I think to have a character like Ted Lasso, like I said, I feel like I'm using the word positivity a lot, but he really is. I cannot stress enough how positive this character is. <laughs> but he's a very positive guy. And so to have him in a moment of, uh, of panic and him not, uh, exhibiting that that happy-go-lucky charm that he has it is it's off-putting but not in a way that ma- that turns you off from the show it, it's like it kind of snaps you back to reality of like oh Ted Lasso is a real person there's so many moments that are similar to that beyond just Ted the character there are a lot of moments with the surrounding characters who they have we, we think that we know who they are and we figure them out and then they do something or something happens to them and we see them change and it's not like we're seeing them change and we're like oh I don't like that change we're seeing them evolve and grow and the deeper you get into the show you're like yes like woohoo like I'm rooting for these characters like you're rooting for the football team like or the football yeah football team soccer team whatever um just like you're rooting for the team you're rooting for these characters in tandem with that and I think that's just it's a part of the charm of the show the the show is just so charming and it's so upbeat and it's so earnest and heartwarming and like it makes you feel good it's a really feel good show um and we are kind of it feels like every year we kind of get a show like that here lately and I could definitely say it started with like uh like the good place uh, which I would venture to say feel good is kind of it's a feel good show, but it definitely can send you into a bit of a, uh, a philosophical tizzy of if you think about it a little bit too hard like I did. Um, and then you got Shit's Creek and then now we have Ted Lasso, which we're are continuing a lineage of really positive shows. And I think that's why they're so successful. Um, 
especially in the age of the heavy drama, a show like Ted Lasso is is almost welcome, um, especially in tandem with the everything that's going on in the world. It really feels like a place of that you could seek refuge in, um, but also get a really good story. So it's not necessarily in the same vein of um, what some would consider to be kind of your guilty pleasure TV. I personally don't feel like guilty pleasure should exist with TV. You like with you what you like. Um, but what some would consider to be guilty pleasure TV, like reality or like um, reality competition shows like Big Brother or whatever it is that you watch to kind of like unwind. Um, so I think in, in this particular era of, of TV that we're in, where everything is so like deep and drenched in, in plot and exposition and everything like that, a show like Ted Lasso is almost welcome um, and is necessary because I think with the amount of content that we consume on the day-to-day you kind of need something that almost kind of um, serves as like a palate cleanser but it's not a palate cleanser in that it's completely stripping away everything it's still giving you something but it makes you feel good it's that like that dopamine hit it's that serotonin hit you know and that's I just love shows like that and I think it's good to have a balance like yeah I have your your comedies that are a little bit darker have your your dramas that are a little bit deeper as far as uh deeper and darker but you know you kind of you need a show like a Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso or Schitt's Creek or whatever it is um that kind of just makes you feel all warm and fuzzy We've got a few episodes under our belt here at the Hi, I'm Bobby podcast. And I, guys, I got to tell you that it wasn't simpler to start a podcast than with Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone or your computer. Anchor will literally distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If this sounds amazing to you, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm so excited, and I hope you guys will make a podcast today. brings us into prestige tv i think that's a good segue into talking about prestige tv and i will give you the definition of what prestige tv is because i think that the term and the phrase is thrown around quite a bit and um i think there are some people that hear and they're like oh prestige tv and then they're like okay but what does that really what does that mean? And it's a lot more simple than you think it is. Um, so this is from a Mary Sue article from the MarySue.com talking about the role of prestige TV in the era of WandaVision. And it's actually a very, very good um, read. Also, WandaVision, incredibly snubbed at the Emmys. Uh, very, very sad about that. I thought WandaVision, easily one of the best shows of the year. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I... I think I kind of want to talk about WandaVision separately because I, you know, I don't necessarily think that it really fits when we're talking about Ted Lasso, which is a show that's very, very different. But uh, that'll be an episode for another day. But um, yeah, going back to the article, it's very, very good. I highly recommend you check it out and read it. it yeah, it's from earlier this year. Um, and 
The article defines prestige TV as prestige television was a term that meant to highlight how television had become elevated due to cable television shows like The Sopranos, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, and others during the late 90s, early 2000s, among the slow burnout of sitcom television. So it basically is the umbrella term for the phenomena that's been uh, charted for the last 20 to 25 years um, within television. That is that TV is getting smarter and by proxy, the audience is getting smarter with it. Um, So it is something that on paper, I think, is really good. And in practice, it's really good, too. But there are definitely some um, pros and cons to it. So let's start out with pros. So the pros of prestige TV are that the audience is is getting smarter. I think prestige TV definitely builds media literacy, which is something that I personally feel like we should learn. Um, you know, in addition to things like financial literacy, I think media literacy is very, very important um, to learn, especially a, a young age, like in, in middle school and high school. I think that's when you should probably be learning media literacy, um, if nothing else, for how you interact with film and TV. Um, but I think it's also incredibly important when interacting with things like the news and with social media. And I think it would be, uh, I feel like a very good way to combat misinformation and knowing how to decipher what is real and what is not to the best of your ability. And if you have those, the tools, media literacy kind of on the ready, you can combat those those problems that were are definitely a major issue uh, as of late. But again, that's a conversation for another day. But um, it definitely does kind of it works that muscle of being able to understand kind of deeper meanings and you know seeing something on screen, but understanding that it means something else. Like Prestige TV is really really good at that, um, and it's never a fully bad thing that your audience is getting smarter with your television um i do think that it can have some cons as far as if the show is trying to be too smart it can kind of go a little bit over the audience's head and it's not the audience's fault it's the show for trying to do too many things um and more often than not those things that they try to pack their stories with um tend to not be as effective um and there are plenty of examples of a show that on paper like in the script is really smart and maybe it's really well produced but then when audiences watch it they don't really gravitate towards it they're like it's nothing it's nothing there there's no there's no substance there's nothing that really made me want to continue to watch the show because it felt like it was just almost it's almost like braggadocious in and of itself it's a show that is taking itself really too seriously I go back and forth about whether or not that's a good or bad thing. I think it's it's difficult. Getting back to my point, um, Prestige TV has a good place. It has, I think, positive intentions, but I do think that there are some um, kinks in the, I wouldn't say system of it, but I think there are a lot of TV shows that are setting out to really make you feel this thing or make you think this thing. And it's much better when a show can organically do that and I think I will say it you know dramedy people dramedy people drama people don't come after me but I think comedies do this a lot better than dramas do and I know it's kind of a phenomenon within screenwriting that uh writing a comedy is a little bit harder than writing a drama and I think this is where it kind of shines through because dramas can be a little bit more forthcoming but 
comedies kind of have to be a little bit more covert with how they do that. And um, that is to say that a lot of the comedies that I've mentioned here lately have separate moments where you're watching the show, you're getting the ha-has and the giggles and the laughs, and then they're, they kind of like hit you with the moment that it's not until later when you're thinking about the show that you're like, wow, that was really... That was a that was a deep emotional moment that I wasn't prepared for. Um, so, like, of course, again, in the examples that I mentioned, uh, the good place, the moment where Eleanor is kind of talking to Michael. Um, and there's slight spoilers for the examples that I'm about to give. But if you don't care, then, you know, keep on listening. Um, but the moment where Eleanor is expressing her sadness Uh, that her mother, who was kind of a bad mom when Eleanor was a kid, is now a great mom to her her stepsister and, like, her new family. Uh, And Eleanor expresses sadness that if her mother was capable of changing this whole time, Eleanor thinks that her mom just didn't think that Eleanor was worth changing for. Um, And Schitt's Creek, literally anything having to do with the character arcs of uh, Stevie and... Uh, Alexis and just any of the characters like they really all like have these different emotional moments that you're not anticipating and it's not until you see it pay off that you're you understand what they were trying to do the entire time um and then Ted Lasso has plenty of moments um like I mentioned before like the fact that they kind of show him as like being human um there are a couple of moments where like Ted has like a panic attack and um he has a moment where uh, Rebecca, who is the team, o- the team's like owner, the football club's owner, uh, she's kind of using Ted Lasso's like this this puppet to sink the the t- the football club, and she eventually comes clean to him. And Ted is rightfully so a little bit disappointed, but he forgives her in that moment. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't you know do anything like that. He forgives her, and that after that, that kind of breaks down. Rebecca's emotional wall that she has with Ted and then it blossoms into this beautiful you know friendship that we see um in the first and second season so comedies I think tend to to nail that the part the intention of what prestige tv is and that it makes you feel something it makes you think something um I think a little bit better than dramas do not say the dramas don't because there are plenty of dramas that have those moments that you're not really anticipating that they're coming and then they come and you're like oh my gosh um, but overall, I think Prestige TV has a good place. I think it's now beginning to, the tides are beginning to turn and we're starting to find a better balance of a show that is legitimately entertaining, whether that is a drama or a comedy or a genre TV or whatever it is, and also kind of balances that awareness and, uh, that, uh, the, the smartness, the knowledgeness of, uh, those prior shows and marrying them together in a show that is kind of well done all around um and it's not setting out to to teach you or to beat you over the head with this concept but to let you kind of organically find it um so I I won't say that I'm just completely you know disgruntled with prestige tv but I think that it definitely is beginning to kind of evolve and beginning to change and where as always tv is you know it ebbs and it flows and I think prestige tv is now kind of doing the ebb and flow and we're kind of entering a new age of of television um even with shows like wandavision that kind of turn genre television on its head and kind of give you a, a different look at uh what you may already think you know superhero television show should be 
um, your the, the 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 tides are beginning to turn. Everyone, that's the that's the point of what I'm trying to say here. Um, to to wrap up, I think you know with the Emmys, I'm hopeful that maybe in my lifetime. Uh, we'll we'll begin to see the Emmys and other award shows kind of begin to take that shift that I was talking about earlier. Um, but I just want more stories and more people who are so good at their craft to be awarded for that craft. Um, you know, even in thinking about it now, the fact that the you know the the core cast of Pose really never got their moment in the sun with an award. Uh, you know, it just, it kind of, it breaks my heart a little bit because that was a show that was so important to so many people and an award has come almost like the cherry on top of that. Like it's the, it's not that validation is needed, but sometimes it's like that extra, like, you know, it's that the punctuation on the culmination of the story being told. It's like, we told this great story. We got this great cast of characters together. And this award is the, the cherry on top. It's the star on top of the Christmas tree. And I'm I'm optimistic that maybe the we'll we'll be able to have more moments like that. But I'm mournful of the shows that have you know come and gone that have not been able to get their flowers in that moment. Um, also, um, I will say if nothing that I said about Ted Lasso really resonates, um, everyone in that show is hot. Uh, really, everyone in the show is hot. So if none of the like philosophical waxing poetic things. Um, we're really speaking to you. Everyone in the show is attractive. So if that is something that is a marker for you watching something, I highly recommend. Like I give my stamp of approval on that. Um, and then Prestige TV. I think it's something that, you know, we'll continue to see how it changes. Like the trend of it will, will continue to, uh, evolutionize and morph, but, um, it's something it's it just describes the era of tv that we're in now and who knows what that next era will be you know we could really revert to um your simple single camera comedies and that can be the the, the new prestige tv or it can continue to become this complex uh showcase of a narrative who knows really no one really knows but i think it's something definitely worthwhile uh, to talk about right now and to think a little bit more critically about um, rather than just taking it at face value. So I just want to say thank you so, so much for having a very casual conversation with me about the Emmys and Ted Lasso and a little bit about Prestige TV. If you want to know where else to find me on the internet, you can find me at The Afternoon Special on Instagram or over on TikTok. Or if Twitter is more your speed, you can find me at Hi, I'm Bobby. And at the end of each week's episode, you guys already know, I'd love to hear from you. So in the description of each and every episode, you will find the option to send me a one minute audio message. It could be a hot take. It could be a response to what I said. It could be a question. It's really up to you. My one ask, of course, is to keep it respectful. And if an audio message is really not your speed, you can always DM me over on Instagram or on TikTok probably better on Instagram because I'll see it um, and give me your hot take there and I'll read it at the end of each week's episode. I hope you enjoyed this week's chat and that you'll join me next week for another pop culture deep dive. Later days, friends. Whether you're in a relationship, single or recently heartbroken, 
you could be navigating some tough stuff. And it really can be challenging to do this on your own. We all need help when it comes to our relationships, very specifically, our love lives. I'm Jillian, and each week on my podcast, Jillian on Love, I share skills on how to strengthen our relationships, how to build a stronger sense of self, and how to heal heartbreak and choose better partners. Learn how to start making change today and search for Jillian on Love wherever you're listening now. I'm Carlos King, one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television. I am thrilled to announce Reality with the King, where we'll discuss all things reality TV. I have interviewed everyone from Nene Leakes, Teresa Judai, and Kenya Moore. Each episode, we will rehash shocking betrayals, honey. Yes! Hilarious shade. And all the drama. Reality with the King podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts.